0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Tate Arind, and you can find him at ParadigmA2.com. That's Paradigm, the letter A, the number two.com. Now, Tate has been in the world of transformation for more than 25 years, and is considered a top coach in the happiness and habits space. He has the ability to command the stage, inspire audiences, facilitate groups, and powerfully coach individuals looking to tap into their passion and their purpose. To take action on what is possible And what matters most to them. I'm aligned with his, what he's up to in the world. And BC Nation, you want this. You want your purpose. You want your passion. Maybe you got one, but you don't got the other. Maybe you have neither right now. Maybe you feel tapped out. You feel drained. You feel frustrated. You feel irritated. You feel out of control with all the things outside of your control right now happening in the world. Listen up as Tate drops some wisdom for you. Get out your pen and paper, and we're going to get into this show. And the way we're going to do it, we're going to get personal as I always do every single week with my guests. We get into their story and we don't hold anything back. And my guests are courageous. They share fully transparently their struggles, their brokenness. They don't have it all figured out. They may be a few steps ahead of us on that highway, on that journey, and maybe they can help us through it. And that's what I hope to do to inspire you through their stories. Tate, welcome to Broken Catholic number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you?
1: Oh, I think, I think uh, really a, a kind intro. I'm super grateful to be here and have had the introduction um, to you by my, my longtime best friend, Brian Reeves, who, who's been on this podcast with you. Uh, I'm super grateful to be here. I, I love the mission that you have about really being able to make an impact in this world and being able to reach just one listener from this podcast and to help change the trajectory of their life. I'm all in and I'm super excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're welcome. BC Nation, that's you. You're that one listener. If you're listening right now, if our voices are ringing in your ears, you're the guy, you're the gal who's about to get a shift in their life. If you open up, if you humble the pride and admit you don't have it all together and you need help, especially you men out there, ask for help, would you? Helps you get ahead. All right, Tate, let's get into your story here, brother. But before we do, take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know.
1: Yeah, great question. I, uh, I got asked this uh, question recently. Um, and, you know, I certainly don't jump out of the gates typically with, with sharing this, but uh, just, I guess it was maybe two and a half weeks ago, I celebrated 18 years of sobriety. Um, I haven't drank alcohol in about 18 years, a little over 18 years now. And while that was one of the darkest moments in my life, coming to the realization that, you know, I'm an all or nothing guy, and I was I was doing the all, and I really needed to be doing the nothing um, it was a real dark night for me. And, uh, but, but what came out of that was a life that I couldn't ever dream about living before that. And, um, you know, it's something that I look back on at this point with tremendous gratitude about, and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't actually change it at this point. I think, I think hitting that dark night was a, was a moment that really, you know, changed my trajectory and was critical for who I am today.
0: Yeah, I really get that. You know, thank you for sharing that. Uh, again, vulnerability. Um, that you wrestled with an addiction, um, you've been winning for 18 years, you know, well done. And you have that personality that's all in. And, and what I find, tell me what you think here. I find sometimes when we're, we go all in, we end up with nothing. Hmm. And when we hmm. do nothing, we end up with everything, with all of it. Like just hmm. being, just being still, et cetera. What do you think?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like that analogy um, and, and the thought there, you know, and what I hear in that second piece is, is, is surrender. And for me, I think that that, that was, that's one of the hardest things to do is to look at the places where I actually don't have power and to find something that does and to start tapping into that, that power that's greater than myself. And in doing so, that's, that surrender is actually the, the gives me the greatest strength, but Uh, we're not taught that, you know, we're, we're actually taught to take everything by the bull by the horns and to, to take massive action on things. And I believe that that's true. But when we hit a brick wall, sometimes the thing to do is actually to, to surrender and to look around and see what can help us get around it rather than continue to bang our heads up against the same wall.
0: Now, BC nation, you hear this word come up on this show consistently surrender. It's not a sexy word. It's definitely not a word that's attractive Not the way society paints it, especially if you're a guy. Mm -hmm. Immediately, we think of all those war movies, those fighting movies, those martial arts movies that we watched growing up as young boys into young men. And whoever surrenders lost the fight, Mm -hmm. which makes them the loser. And none of us want to be a loser. So we fight against and resist surrender at all costs. And I share this often on other episodes that, well, yeah, I get what you're up to BC nation and you're right to fight against physical surrender, but there's another type of surrender. It's the one that Tate's talking about. It's spiritual surrender. And those are two distinctly different types of surrender, physical surrender, right? Don't, don't like die, right? Don't lose the fight. If someone's attacking you, defend, defend your family, defend your property. However, spiritually, if you hit that brick wall that Tate just spoke about, you're in it right now. You're banging your head and it's not working. What makes you think that if you just, just apply more effort, all of a sudden it's going to work? So this is what we're taught. Bang your head harder and you'll get through eventually. No, you're going to end up with a worse headache. <laughs> That's really what happens, right, Tate? I know I I've lived it. You've lived it. So Tate, tell, take us back to a time when you were banging your head against a wall in your life. And it wasn't working. Paint us a picture of what was happening and how you surrendered, how you got through that wall.
1: Yeah. Do you want the story around that or, or uh, perhaps a different one?
0: You know, I'm just here, surrendered myself, brother. <laughs> so whatever you're going to drop, go for it. You create. Yeah. Come
1: on. Well, look, I'll, I'll actually share a, a different one, which which lived lives in the intimacy space with my wife. You know, my, my wife and I met um, in 2006. And I always had the, the idea that I was three years away from getting married at any given time. Cause if I wasn't dating somebody, you know, I had to start dating them. I would date them for two years. I'd be engaged for a year. And, um, and when I met and married my wife in nine months, it, it shocked, shocked me. It shocked everybody that knew me. And, uh, but there was like this, this, you know, this call inside of me that it just felt, Right, you know, I was very connected spiritually at the time. I was clear that that this was a blessed relationship, and and then we jumped in. And one one of the things that I've really uncovered, uh, my wife and I, actually today is our 14 year wedding anniversary. And for about nine years, my wife and I were were we put on an amazing show about how incredible our our relationship was. But what was actually happening on the inside was both of us had brought the crap that each each person brings into a relationship. And what happens inside of that is that it reveals to us the gap between uh, our ability to love another human being and to be able to love ourselves. And that was nine years of banging my head up against a wall of really actually trying to change her, change the way that she loved me, change the way that she thought about me, experienced me. Um, you know, have, trying to exert all of this power in, into the space of having having my wife ultimately be different. Mm. And- that is
0: powerful, powerful, powerful. I'm just going to pause you there for a second. BC Nation, seriously, Tate just smacked you upside the heart. He really did. Like, sit with that for a second. Look over at your spouse if they're in the room. Don't say a word. Or picture them in your mind if you're somewhere else. You're driving, you're at the office, you should be working. I don't know why you're listening to the show right now, what the heck. But picture them. How long have you been trying to get them to change the way they show up for you? Is it working or not working? Is it causing them frustration or not? And then let me ask you a bigger question here. Do you like when someone tries to control you? I don't. Nate, you? None of us do. Yet, we're constantly trying to control someone else. Our spouse, our kids, our coworkers, our employees. We're little control freaks. We're even trying to control the circumstances that we have no control over in our life. And it causes all the stress, the anxiety, the heaviness of life. I call it the rocks. That's what I do. I help people blow up the rocks in their marriages that stand between them and their spouse, communicating, blow up the rocks in their parenting, right? the rocks that are stuck in your mouth when you start talking to your kid and they look at you like you're talking with rocks in your mouth. What are you talking about? And you just can't connect. There's so many areas of brokenness in our lives. And it all stems from, I believe, what Tate just said. We're trying to control others rather than going in, looking at the things we actually have control over. And typically we don't like what we see when we look in the mirror. Tate, take it from there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think, um, I think that the, the moment and I, I, I really do attribute, um, you know, God for having a moment intervening. Uh, My wife and I were in St. John in the U S Virgin islands. And we, we have had, I think one of the things that actually has, has assured that my wife and I stayed married is that each year of our marriage we made a decision even after having kids to spend a week with one another just her and I and it was it was that container created um, the space for God to really show up for both of us and and really remind us of the love that we had for one another and the resistance that we had uh, the pressure that we had the control that we had trying to apply on one another release that for a moment and to you know there was a a moment of grace that really stepped in that we were able to really remind ourselves why why we loved each other so much and that set us on a a journey over the last five years of like letting go of the past and stepping into something new and creating containers that really protect the sanctity of our relationship and the kinds of conversations that that we need to have you know and today I'm, i'm just so blessed to be able to have this extraordinary woman in my life that you know, every night we go to bed and we ask each other two questions. And those questions are, how did I make you feel loved today? And where did I miss the mark? And those two questions have been just instrumental in making sure that neither one of us has things that need, that, that are left unsaid and really gives us a a moment to be, be able to acknowledge the impact that the other person is making in our life. And that container is something that, you know, again sustains the growth that we're on as a couple and, and something that we, you know, we continue to try to figure out ways to innovate the containers that are in our space so that, that our intimacy can grow, that our vulnerability can be shared and that, that our connection can be enhanced.
0: Do you really ask those two questions every single night?
1: Every single night.
0: For how long now consecutively?
1: Oh, well, we, we iterate our, the different things that we've done, we've been doing, but, but long enough for us to know that we're never going to stop doing that one.
0: Mm. BC nation teachers gave you three practical and effective tools for your marriage. Three. Let me just replay them for you real quick. Ask your spouse every night. How did I make you feel loved today? Where did I miss the mark? Let them do the same for you. And then number two, uh, sorry, those were two. Number three schedule one week a year, just you or her, or just you and him. Alone time, no kids, no relatives, just a time to reconnect. My buddy taught me this. He calls it a marriage reset. He and his wife, they do it every six months because that's just what they need. (laughs) They get off their vision for their marriage, for their relationship about every six months, give or take. And I'm brand new in marriage. We got married last year and I'm just over a year now. So yeah, just over a year. And we already had to reset twice in my marriage. And man, it makes it so much easier. But without doing that reset, marriage got got really hard, really quick, Nate. uh, Tate, sorry. Uh, You know, and it was just like, wow, we really all need to reset because we, and we tend to default to our little control freak side, don't we?
1: And and to revert to the boys and girls that, that we were when we used to, you know, um, need to feel protected by somebody else. And, turning into a boy, a boy trying to act like a man in a marriage is a dangerous thing.
0: Mm. And a girl trying to act like a woman in a marriage, also a dangerous thing, because we show up as those little hurt children wanting our needs to be met, but not really focused on the needs of the other person. It's kind of what kids do. It's a very immature way of uh, approaching a relationship for sure.
1: And, and, the, and the way that I like to think about it is it's just that we're practiced in certain ways, right? I, I, I've been more practiced at being a boy at times in my life than being practiced at being a man. And the more that I try to step into being a man, the, I'm going to have hiccups along the way. I'm going to, I'm going to revert to old patterns and, you know, inside of a, a relationship where both parties are interested in, in improving themselves then there ends up being grace because both people know that it takes work to, to, to practice new experiences. I think when relationships get really hard is that when one person is committed and the other person isn't mm. and inside of that scenario there, there is there is tremendous angst and resentment and hurt and loneliness and you know they're, they're ultimately you know the decisions to be made at that point in time are are both people willing to get into the growth world. Or is one person going to be able to be content being in the growth world and having, having their partner um, sit out?
0: Mm. That's a tough one, but very real for sure. Happens for sure. very, very often. So Tate, you spoke about the, a, a human surrender there, right? You surrender to your spouse. She surrendered to you in your relationship. But you mentioned God earlier and you said you, you both had to surrender to him. Where did where and how did that show up? Paint us a picture of what that looked like specifically, so that my listener right now can figure out how to do it for themselves.
1: Well, my my story about surrender surrendering to God really—I'll just take thirty seconds to take you back. So, I I grew up in a household. My um, dad's—he would say he's agnostic. Um, He's probably more atheist, but agnostic. My mom would say she believes in Christ, but she doesn't necessarily have any practices, um, that, that indicate that. And and I grew up in a household where both of my parents said, you all can believe whatever you want to believe. You can explore whatever you want to explore. And it was, I don't, I don't know, maybe early high school that my sister went and found a fundamental Baptist church Mm -hmm. and, and brought me along and I went and it was, uh, it was, it was in some ways, I don't, I don't want to be dramatic here, but it ended up being a, a relatively traumatic experience for me because it was an environment that immediately taught hellfire and brimstone and that God should be feared and that you got to be worried about going to hell. And, and it, that, that God did not make any sense to me whatsoever. And, and when I would ask questions in middle school, maybe I was I don't know, 12 years old, I got met with a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, condescending responses around things and um, inadequate um, help. Just have faith. You just have to you have to get baptized and you have to, you know, profess that God is your Lord and Savior and or else. And that really turned. I then spent the next eight years really doing all I could to learn as much as I could to actually defend against that kind of God in my life. And it set me on this, this journey where I didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't want to invite that God into my life. I didn't want that God to, to, to be have anywhere, uh, have any space anywhere close to me. And, and, it, and it took a lot of um, experiences with people that didn't have that kind of God in their life to, to the chaplain at my college, Richard McBride, who ended up marrying my wife and I, You know, he was a, let me literally, let me wash your feet. Let me be a servant to you. Let me be available to you. And then it was um, for me getting into Al-Anon, which was for family and friends of alcoholics. I I have alcoholism in my in my family background. And it was in that space where I got introduced to you can you can actually develop a relationship with a God of your own understanding. You can develop your own relationship. Just start inviting this power that's greater than yourself into your life and start to watch the magic happen. Look for the coincidences that start to happen in your life. And And it was critical for me to be in a place of pain, to realize that the skills that I had were not sufficient enough to be able to help me through my pain so that I could start to rely on powers that were greater than myself. And then God showed up in that space, that mustard seed space that was critical for me Um, and again, it was one of those things where, where I don't, I don't regret the Southern Baptist experience. I, I I wouldn't choose it for my kids. Um, but it, it was necessary on my journey to help me reach the, the God of my understanding and surrendering to the fact that I couldn't handle life on my own. And every time I did, every time I tried to exert power over things that I didn't have power over, my life became unmanageable. Mm.
0: That is so clear for sure. You know, I go back to something you said there as far as, Joseph, I didn't want to have a relationship with that kind of God. And it really makes sense, doesn't it, PC Nation? Like, would you look forward to inviting a dictator over to your house or a tyrant, a world leader who is unfair, unjust, cruel, demanded your perfection or else eternal hellfire? Like, who would want to like sit down and have a meal with that person? No one ever. Yet this is how we present our loving heavenly father sometimes. And to me, it's not a problem with God. It's a problem with presentation. How we present or try to humanize God who's bigger than our minds can conceive. And we try to make him small so that we can understand him or control him. And to me, there's a lot of pride and ego in that. And Tate, you know, I really look to you, man, that sucks. That happened as far as, you know, that church experience. It's happened to me as well. I was told in one church while I was there with some friends that, uh, because I wasn't in their denomination, I was damned to hell mm. and there was nothing I could do about it because of predestination. They were selected and I wasn't mm. and there was no way out for me mm. and sorry, it's not fair. We get that Joseph. And I was just like, man, what a prideful position. How do you know you're on the list? Mm. Like for real, how do you know? Because you said so and you believe so. And now you're you're telling other people they're not. How's that different than playing God? I was very confused by that. Mm. So very bad presentations of God, I think is the problem. And it's our pride and our ego, arrogance, all that stuff. So I really acknowledge you for sharing that. Sorry that happened. That sucks. It really does. Um, BC Nation, maybe that's happened to you. Listen, don't hold it against God. Don't. If that's been your reason for resisting opening up a relationship with him because a person presented it wrong because they're broken, so they presented it broken. Like, seriously, you're the one missing out. And Tate's telling you, if your life's not working and then, you know you don't have the tools to figure out how to make it work, you've been trying at it and you just haven't. Like, there's an answer. There is someone in control of everything outside your control. We call him God. And he is a loving father. And, and Tate, I grew up in a very similar household. was it wasn't Southern Baptist. It was Roman Catholic with a military dad, Marine Corps. So you put those two things together with rules and regulations and Marine Corps boot camp training. You, I call that redundancy. Like it was just too much, brother. It was too much, right? And I wanted to run from that version of a God. Yeah, Because he was a dictator and a tyrant. So I really get that. But it wasn't until years later... That God entered my brokenness at rock bottom moments, spared my life from almost being murdered twice, etc. When I lost all my fortune, everything I had no one, everyone abandoned me. God showed up, he was there. And I met a loving father hmm. who wasn't there to condemn me or rub my face in the mud. I was already down. Yeah. But he lifted me up. He put the ring on my finger, he welcomed me back home, and then he threw a party for me. I love that. Right? And and I was just like, What? Who is this God? How come I yeah. wasn't taught about him? Yeah, but it's the yeah. same God. It was just presented through human brokenness, right? Tate, what shows up for you in all that, you personally, in your own story? Uh, say that again? What shows up for you in what I just shared and, and where we're going with this? What's showing up for you right now personally? Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, obviously, the, the great prodigal son story there, um, which, which, you know, one of the things that I really think about is how much God has been chasing me down.
0: <laughs> You're fast, aren't you?
1: <laughs> even though, uh, even though I I ignored him for a period of times, even though I was arguing against him at period of times, even though I was I was doing things that were hurtful to myself and others, like in spite of that, that's how much he loves me. That he is just chasing me down, trying to leave clues along the way that he's there for me and that that he's trying to work things out for me and that he's for me and not against me. And that you know he, you know, it's just extraordinary to me because. When I, when, I, when I experienced surrender that first time in Al-Anon and, and really got to, got to experience that a God loved me, it was like, okay, I had, found my, I had found my space. And then what was very interesting, fast forward many years to that, that, that moment of surrender that um, happened inside my marriage, is that that was a time that my wife said, asked me the question, have you ever invited Jesus into your heart? And I was like, no, I don't need that. Like, I, I found God. I, I, look, God is, I've had this amazing experience, and, and God didn't reveal to me inside of Jesus. He revealed to me inside of Alanon, which maybe is more the Holy Spirit and God. And, and I was like, no, I don't need that, right? I don't, I don't need that. And then I, she was like, well, what harm is it going to do you just to say, you know, Jesus, I invite you into my heart? And I wasn't, I didn't say, okay, here's the script. Um, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. You are the King of all kings. You died on the cross for me. You died for my. I, I did all. Just invite Jesus into your heart. So I was like, well, okay, okay. So Jesus, I invite you into my heart. And then it was like this. It was a an extraordinary. Um, it was this extraordinary moment in time that set forth all kinds of quote unquote coincidences. That really allowed me to be, to be both broken and built at the same time to have the, the ways in which I was, I was failing myself and others be really illuminated for me to feel the pain of that. And to experience God's grace and how much He loved me, despite that, you know, my my wife is is an angel on earth because she's constantly filling me with these opportunities to see God differently than I did in that small Baptist church.
0: BC Nation,
1: are,
0: say that last part again.
1: He, he's chasing us down.
0: God is chasing you down, BC Nation. Some of you are fast runners. Let's be real. Some of you are marathon runners. You can last a long time at a fairly adequate pace and God's still chasing. And then maybe some of you are like me, you're short sprinters. I do wind sprints. I don't like those long runs, but man, I could get away from him real quick. In a moment's notice, I'm around four or five, 10 corners and I'm out. And then he catches up. He always knows where we're going. Doesn't he Kate, what you said? You were both broken and built at the same time. Isn't that the solution that our human faculties are broken? This is why we need a savior and his divine power. His strength is what we're built upon. So we can actually exist in a, this and that relationship with God, God, I'm broken in my human fallen nature, yet I'm built up because I am your precious son and you chose me and you're pursuing me or your precious daughter. Like, that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant revelation. And what a smart, intelligent, angelic wife you have, sir.
1: Mm, you have no idea.
0: <laughs> I have some idea now, yeah. um, you know, thank you for sharing that. And thank you. I acknowledge you for not resisting her invitation to say, well, why not invite Jesus into your heart? What harm is there? You're already experiencing God. You're already experienced the love of a, of, of a father, of a creator, why not what if he's the same as the biblical jesus what if they're all what if it's all true
1: Hmm.
0: and you got to experience one of the three persons of the god trinity and and dude i had this uh, you know for me it was i experienced the father before i experienced the son and the holy spirit yeah like that was the access for me and it sounds very similar i was kind of like well i got the father so i'm good (laughs) Right. but it's yeah. not it's it's jesus it's getting to the father through jesus and then so many of my protestant and catholic brothers and sisters they got jesus but they don't got the father they stop short of the finish line and jesus said i came to show you the father go through me go meet him so anyway tate powerful show dude i'm loving it i'm digging it we're speaking with tate arend you can find him at paradigm a2.com And we're speaking, I mean, we got into some serious topics here, but the underlining message is surrender. Surrender to God. Surrender to your spouse. Surrender to growing and changing and not having all the answers. I think we're going to title the show, Can We Really Change Our Spouse? You know, can we? Because we're all trying it. Some of us admit it. Others don't. So, Tate, um, welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir?
1: Probably not. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
0: Perfect. Perfect. What is your favorite thing about God?
1: Oh man, his love.
0: What is your least favorite thing about God?
1: Uh, the way that people portray him.
0: Boom. So true. And he allows it. What the bleep? What are you most afraid of?
1: Uh, Leaving this earth, not making the impact that I was born to make. I get that.
0: I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of being human. We just spoke about a lot of that brokenness. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally?
1: Um, I am always struggling with the voice inside my head about myself.
0: Hmm. Tell me more about that real quick. We'll go over three seconds. On I thought that one. we
1: were three seconds. Three Dude, seconds. it's my
0: show. I can change things as I go.
1: Um, you know, the National Science Foundation came out in I don't know, a study two thousand six 2006 that's, that analyzed how many thoughts we have. 16,000 to 60,000 or something like that. But that wasn't the interesting thing about the study. The interesting thing about the study to me was that what it found is that 80% of our thoughts are negative and 95% of them are repetitive. So we are having the same negative thoughts day in and day out. And we wonder why we walk around as uh, downtrodden as we are because we have a voice inside of our head that's beating ourselves up constantly. And if we could take that voice outside of our head, we probably would choose not to spend time with it. <laughs>
0: So true. So just to clarify, what I just heard you say is that 80% of 60,000 thoughts a day is probably about 40,000, 45,000 repetitive negative thoughts we're repeating in our brain like this record player over and over on a loop cycle. That's right. Is that what you're telling me? That's
1: what I'm telling you. Dr. Daniel Amen uh, calls them ants, automatic negative thoughts, automatic negative thinking. And it's something that all of us really strive or deal with. And unless we develop some practices to, to intercede on our behalf then, and, and to figure out how to fill our minds with different thoughts, then, then this is a pattern that's going to repeat itself for all of us. BC Nation, this is why you're not winning in
0: certain areas of your life. Look what's stacked against you. The odds are outnumbering you. It's 40,000 to one. 40,000 negative thoughts against you every single day. You don't stand a chance. None of us do. This is why we must surrender to God's strength, God's peace, God's joy. God, counter out those lies that have been poured into me. What's your truth? This is why we read biblical truth, to counter out the enemy's lies, I believe. Tate, moving on to our next question. Now that I went off track, thank you, sir. <laughs> calling me out on my own show. I love it. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year?
1: Um, uh, checking out onto my cell phone.
0: Mm, Like escaping, just reality? Yep. Got it. Yep. What secret fear do you have about people? Um, That
1: that they aren't safe.
0: Mm, I get that. What do you wish you had learned sooner about
1: God? Um, Known sooner.
0: Nothing. Nothing. Okay. Okay. What's a new habit that you want to create in your life?
1: Um, I, want to, I want to really get to know my kids. I spend a lot of time parenting my kids, but not being connected to my kids. So I want to develop practices where I really get into their worlds to understand, you know, what my, my son's seven years old and he plays super smash brothers And he's always asked me, dad, what's my favorite, what's my favorite player. And I'm always guessing and I'm always wrong one because he's constantly changing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And two, because sometimes I'm not paying close enough attention to what my son really loves and, and, and getting inside of their worlds. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the habit for this year in that space.
0: Got it. What's a bad habit you want to break?
1: Uh, My cell phone addiction.
0: Got it. I just had a great guest on one or two episodes back. You may really enjoy it. It was about drowning in screen time. He just wrote the book Mm -hmm. on it. It's really powerful. You may really appreciate that. Pick three words to describe who you are now.
1: Um, I am passionate. I am purposeful. And I am learning. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I really get that, the way you're showing up. I can feel the passion coming through the screen here, brother. Pick three words to describe who you were before you surrendered to God
1: and to your wife. Uh, Self-reliant. I was broken. And I was (laughs) well-intentioned.
0: Kate, I feel like we knew each other back when, dude, (laughs) because that's who I was a few years back, brother. And last question, if you could come back to life after you died, look your wife, your kids, your family in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, life, eternity, love, sadness, all of it. What would you say to them?
1: I would say follow your passion and find your purpose. And, and, What I mean by that is passion are the things that light me up, but my purpose are the things that I do that light other people up. So it's both of those are critical for us to really live the lives that we were intended to live. We got to follow our passions and we got to find our purpose.
0: Got it. So what I heard you say is that your passion fuels your purpose. That's the fuel. And
1: it's the intersection of those where life really comes alive.
0: Got it. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having a relationship that's surrendered to God and their spouse versus not?
1: I just want to say to to stay open, to stay open, to,
0: to, to be vulnerable and to ask for help. Hmm. Be vulnerable and ask for help, BC Nation. There you have it. Tate, uh, where can BC Nation get in touch with you? What are you up to right now?
1: Uh, What am I up to right now? Well, I am, I'm I'm launching a a program for 10 men with uh, my longtime best friend, Brian Reeves. It's really his visionary uh, leadership around this, but, but we're doing a, a program called Elevate 2021. It's for 10 men to really look at these five areas of their lives, their, their passion, excuse me, their purpose brotherhood, intimacy, family, and spirituality. These are the five pillars of a, of a thriving man. And we're gonna spend the next year really trying to figure out what are the things that we really wanna do and challenging and supporting each other to do that. Uh, I'm also working in partnership with my, my wife through our business paradigm, where, you can, where you've given the, the info out to. Her, her space uh, of, of support is in wellness, primarily for working women uh, who have kids at home and are really trying to find their, their wellness and, and to be rejuvenated. They're depleted and, and spent in many ways. So that's, that's what she focuses on. And my work is really about helping individuals find a reset moment in their life. Um, we're coming out of a pandemic. I think people have settled into some things where they know that life is really important and they want to have a reset moment to change the trajectory of their life. And and that's, that's what I help people focus on.
0: Got it. And where can, uh, I'm guessing you have maybe a one or two spots left in your 10 man, uh, Uh, program there that you're doing for 2021, uh, where if one of my listeners heard that right now and they're like, man, this guy, Tate, I really just resonate with what he said. I want to be part of this. I heard about this guy, Brian Reeves. He was on Joseph's show. Where did they go?
1: Yeah. So for that program, it's uh, Brian with a Y uh, Reeves, brianreeves.com forward slash elevate. And all the information is there for that. Um, and and they can get more details there. We will be doing this program annually um, and having additional opportunities other than these, these 10 slots moving forward, but we're working out those details now.
0: Okay, got it. Thank you so much. Tate, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, sir.
1: Joseph, thank you so much. I extend the same back to you, brother.
0: BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business.